Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our Our teaching team team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because because they they anchor us in something something which can can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching so uh, second reading is john 21 through 18. early on the first day of the week while it was still dark mary magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the tomb had been removed the stone had been removed from the tomb So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw that the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she went over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I I do not know where I have laid them or where they laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not touch me because I have not ascended yet to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. to leave space for you, Allie. And I'm going to pull this picture over. It is fun to have so much liveliness and fullness in here today. And we just have a little bit more like, (laughs) 
little bit more details to pull together here. Oh, neat. Thank you. Thank you for being my helper there. I tried to do it earlier. So yeah. Really... <laughs> oh, well, greetings on this Easter morning, friends. I'm going to do a quick super silly thing, but I really dislike it when my stole is weird. So can anyone from the back? Is it? Is it... Awesome, you guys. It's totally not what today's about. And, <laughs> you know, I'm going to indulge it a little bit. So I'm Kara, I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and it is such a joy to celebrate with all of you here in the room, those of you who are online and watching with us today. I'm going to do a little shout out, since we're kind of feeling, I'm feeling a little informal after the kids stuff, shout out to my mom and my grandma who I know are watching online. It is a joy. It is a joy to be here with you. It's a joy to continue exploring Jesus's res- the story of Jesus' resurrection. So to give all the kids and grown-ups a chance um, to use their little megaphones, let's start with that sacred call and response. When I say he is risen, you respond with he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, excellent. I'm a big fan of questions. Our staff meetings usually begin with some kind of guiding question. Usually, you know, it's lighthearted, like, what's your favorite breakfast food? Sometimes it's serious, like, what's bringing you joy this week? I'm known to put out these table topic questions at gatherings. I don't know if my friends like it or not, but um, so everyone can get to know each other better. And at Genesis, we have narrative circles where we're The whole kind of focus is designed to help us ask questions of our own stories to better know ourselves and know one another. But sometimes questions can feel overwhelming. This week, I announced to my family, I will not be taking any more questions at this time. (laughs) To borrow from my friend Rebecca, who said that she's done that before at home, so I tried it out. (laughs) I think Josh was a little like, oh, okay, that feels very formal. But it worked. For a couple of minutes, there were no questions, and I could just take a moment and not have to answer yet another question. If you didn't know, it's both Holy Week and Spring Break at our household, so so we're here. We're here today. And truthfully, as I sat with the sermon this week, I asked myself a tricky question. Do I still believe this story? Our Lenten series has been based on questions and based on exploring the encounters that Jesus had with people, questions designed to challenge us to spark curiosity, hopeful questions, restorative questions. And those questions can be seen in the art that's along the walls. We began with the stories of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness with the first image. And it's okay if you want to turn around and look. We'll just, you know. We talked about Adam and Eve in the garden. We asked ourselves, who will we listen to? What voices do we allow to take up space? And how does that help us discern the voice of the divine? We engaged with conversation between the Samaritan woman and Jesus in that third picture. How does that help us? What are we thirsty for, we asked. And then Pastor Dan led us through an exploration of how we can ask better questions with the story of the man born blind. 
And the following week, he helped us wonder if these bones can live in the story of Lazarus. And our text today is full of questions as well. Mary, (laughs) sorry, Alex. (laughs) I was totally going to move for you so you didn't have to do that. (laughs) All right, awesome. She's young. She can still move around like that. Our text today is full of questions. Mary inquired, where is Jesus' body? The angels asked Mary, why are you weeping? Jesus asks her, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And that's a central question for us today. Mary was looking for Jesus when she went to the tomb when it was still dark. Some of you might be in the 4 a.m. club, which is what I call those of us who are awake with questions and worries and grief and can't have a restful sleep. Anybody else in the 4 a.m. club with me? Yeah, all right, I see you. I see you people. Well, Enoch, I feel like you're the 4 a.m. club because you're getting up for work or you're already on the road, but still. Okay, but still. All right. I imagine Mary awake in the night, full of grief and sadness. She rises to go sit vigil at the tomb. She expects to grieve near her friend. And upon finding the stone rolled away, her only thought is that somebody has stolen the body, so she runs for help. She and two disciples run back, finding nothing still. The men return home. And Mary remains there. She meets angels. She sees a man she assumes is the gardener. And it isn't until she hears her name spoken that the veil is lifted and she sees it is Jesus, her rabbi, her teacher before her. The piece from Sanctified Art today comes from T. Denise Anderson depicting Mary of Magdalene in that moment when she hears her voice, her name spoken by Jesus. Reverend Anderson describes the art this way. Here I, and you can see it right here, here I attempt to convey the grief and the befuddlement and the ultimate realization that I imagine Mary experienced in this encounter. Moreover, Jesus' address to her comes from this deeply intimate place. And it's the only thing powerful enough to pierce through her grief. She is profoundly seen and known by her teacher, And Reverend Anderson wants us to behold her in the way that Jesus might have in that very moment. Resurrection likely didn't cross Mary's mind. She was in shock. She was in grief. She had just experienced barely days before that this person she loved, that this person that she had pinned her hope on, he was brutally murdered in front of her. So what she knows is pain. And grief. And many of us have known that type of grief as well. We've walked that path and we know that it can make our vision very myopic, very focused in front of us. Mary wasn't looking for resurrection, she was looking for her friend. When Jesus utters her name, Mary no longer sees the tomb as a proclamation of death but instead as a, po- as a place of possibility in life. And then when the veil is lifted, Mary is able to see more clearly the answer to Jesus' question, who are you looking for? Jesus, is ur- Jesus urges Mary to go, not to cling to him in the garden, but to go and make sure others know Jesus' story. And Jesus gives her the words to speak. Tell them I am going to my father and your father 
to my God and your God. Goodness, the inclusion here. You guys, what is mine is also yours. Regardless of whether the disciples ran away or whether they stayed to the bitter end, Jesus says, my God is your God. Make sure they know that. And she goes to tell the other disciples just that. Mary, Mary Magdalene is often called the apostle to the apostles as she's the first one, the first one to announce a resurrected Jesus to the rest of the disciples. I love Easter. I love the arrival of spring. I mean, could this weather be more glorious after this winter that we've had? I love egg hunts and brightly colored tulips like the ones we picked up yesterday. I love the sound of trumpets that I could hear from the sanctuary this morning as I edged a little bit closer to get my fill of some trumpets. <laughs> I love the loud processionals and the watery scrambled eggs that you eat in fellowship halls, deviled eggs and chocolate eggs, Easter dresses, cute hats, banners with words like Alleluia and pictures of lilies stitched onto them. I love the open tomb, the hope of resurrection, the stories of people who thought their friend was dead and then just moments later get to eat fish with him on the beach. But I don't just want the sweetness of Easter, as sweet as it is. I want a resurrection that changes things. I want it to matter that Jesus was the embodiment of God in our midst, that he knew what it was like to be human, that he knew what it was like to be human even to the extent that he experienced the kind of pain and humiliation that humanity is capable of inflicting. That he was murdered as an enemy of the state and death did not hold him. And in his resurrection, we have hope that things could be different. That what we experience does not have to be all there is. And that we could be part of a, the kingdom of God that sees real substantive change here now and in the life to come. I want a resurrection that I've wrestled with, and believe me, I have wrestled mightily. The way that I view salvation and the cross and redemption is so different than when I was 10 years old or 20 years old or 30 years old. I'm going to stop there, otherwise you'll start to know <laughs> how old I am. Because where I land now has been deeply influenced by liberation and womanist theologies, and that's very different than the systematic theologies of atonement theory that I learned when I was 24. I resonate now more with these theological perspectives that are born out of a crucible of suffering and indignity and the way that folks cling to hope and their kin in ways far different than I have ever known. And I continue to wrestle and question, listen and study and pray because I don't know how it all works out exactly. I don't know if you're supposed to say that when you're the pastor of the church on a Sunday, but I don't know how it all works out. <laughs> there is far more mystery in the journey from Palm Sunday to Easter than my Enneagram One brain really wants to deal with. It feels like sometimes that the questions beget more questions. And yet, the questions, they help us take in new information new perspectives. The questions help us name our needs. They reflect the changes happening in our lives, reflect on the ways that we experience connection with the divine today. In the absence of certainty and neat and tidy answers, what I can say 
is that I am clinging to the hope, the hope that some kind of deep mystery took place in that tomb and some kind of mystery was taking place in the whole of Jesus' life from incarnation to miracles and teaching to death by state-sanctioned violence to resurrection to ascension. And that's the stuff that sets us free liberating us from walls and divisions and labels and chains and pain and disappointment and death. Not that those things don't still happen. Not that we aren't affected by or carrying the weight of deep grief. But they are not the final word defining who we are. And all of the suffering and the rejection and the pain and the uncertainty, we don't experience it alone. Reverend Debbie Thomas wrote, Scripture says, early in the morning, while it was still dark. That's where Easter really happens. It begins in that holy darkness. It begins with fear and bewilderment and pain and a profound loss of certainty. The creeds and the clarifications and the things that we cling to and cherish nowadays, those come later in the story. What came first is hope in the midst of struggle. As in, here is what happens when ordinary people brush up against an extraordinary God. Here's what it looks like when a broken and hungry humanity encounter a bizarre and inexplicable love in the half-light of dawn. This week, I came across a great question from a podcast from um, Three Black Men. That's the name of the podcast. The question was, Where is hope leading you? What a great question to ponder. Where is hope leading you? That hope has movement, that hope has legs. Hope led Mary out of that garden and back to her friends, giving them the news, I have seen the Lord. Hope might lead us to believe the unexpected goodness that Jesus is no longer in that tomb. Hope might lead us to reflect God to those around us in very simple acts of love and kindness. Hope might lead us up to rise up into the streets to demand justice. Hope might lead us to hold on for just one more day. In the words of Rich Mullins, love has come and it's given me hope to carry on. Resurrection and ascension tells us that this is not the end of Jesus' story and it is not the end of ours. Jesus showed humanity that death does not have the final word. We are welcomed into that same goodness, invited to participate in that new life, in the new beginnings here on earth and in the world to come. Happy Easter. He is risen. Do you want to try it one more time so you can hear it? Okay. He is risen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.